The Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Sophie Deller. And we are here in our place, you and yours as well. Together we're going to make a great program tonight, The Bible Live. We're going to continue our way through this amazing book, the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, some call it. We have thought for a long time that it would be better named the Acts of the Holy Spirit. God had a plan. The Holy Spirit would come, begin to indwell his people, The Holy Spirit, of course, existed before. The Holy Spirit is God. He's eternal, and he was active in every aspect of what God has done from the time of creation and even before. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit, three persons perfectly united in their love for one another, in their character, in their intent, and in their action. So perfectly united that we can, without any reservation, know and think of them as one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. They're not three gods, they're three distinct persons. The miracle of the Trinity, it's a miracle of relationship. It's a social miracle, the miracle of oneness. Because we've been lost in sin, because of our fall, humanity has never experienced that kind of oneness. We aspire to it, we long for it in our marriages, in our homes and families, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our societies, in our countries. We long for that oneness. We don't find it, we don't have it. But that's what God has called his people into. Remember Jesus' prayer in John 17. Make them one with us, Father, just as you and I are one. So we're being brought into that oneness with God and with one another. That is an exciting truth that we have to have in mind when we think of the book of Acts because this was a beginning when the Spirit came in a special way to escort his people to glory. We're going to pick up in Acts chapter 20. But first, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment tonight, the second half of Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15, verses 18 through 33. A hothead starts fights. A cool-tempered person tries to stop them. A lazy person has trouble all through life. The path of the upright is easy. Sensible children bring joy to their father. Foolish children despise their mother. 
Foolishness brings joy to those who have no sense. A sensible person stays on the right path. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many counselors bring success. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. The path of the wise leads to life above. They leave the grave behind. The Lord destroys the house of the proud, but he protects the property of widows. The Lord despises the thoughts of the wicked, but he delights in pure words. Dishonest money brings grief to the whole family, but those who hate bribes will live. The godly think before speaking. The wicked spout evil words. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Good news makes for good health. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject criticism, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches a person to be wise. Humility precedes honor. End of reading, Proverbs 15, verses 18 through 33. Blessed is the man who walks in your favor, who loves all your words and hides them like treasure. In the darkest place of his desperate heart, this is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. A strong, sure and that's what we hope the scriptures are to you as we read them together here on the Bible Live. That as we listen in faith, God Himself will speak to your heart and reveal some answer, reveal some insight, some thought, some truth that you really need. Fact is. Most scripture needs very little interpretation. It's right there. What it says is what it says. We can learn about God in his ways, and then we can apply it to our lives. As a preacher friend of mine said the other day, it's actually really simple. It's about trusting God, reading the Bible, and doing what it says. (laughs) Now, I have to confess, at times I think it is a little more complex than that, and we can enjoy that complexity, but in the end, we can also enjoy that simplicity. Trust God, read the Bible, and do what it says. Well, tonight we're going to start at chapter 20. We're going to pick up Paul now going further north than he's gone before, up to the area of Macedonia. I want to mention just a couple of things that we didn't talk about the other day as we were finishing up the third missionary journey. Paul spends a great deal of time in Corinth in the second missionary journey. Corinth is extremely immoral, incredibly pagan, idolatrous city, and yet Paul spends two years there. And later on he writes letters to the church in Corinth, and this is a church that has trouble because of the tremendous problems around them in their society. But God gives him an encouraging vision in the midst of it. Some of you are a little worn out, I'm sure, from fighting the spiritual battle here in America. I am too. I come in sometimes a little down, a little tired from the battle. But don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent, for I am with you. That's what God told Paul. A wonderful message to hear when we're stressed. And then there's this wonderful guy named Apollos. God sent young men along to help take up the slack and give you encouragement for the future as well. Let's go now to the book of Acts on the Bible Life. Acts 20, verse 2 through 22, 30. 
Acts 20. Along the way, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece, where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life. So he decided to return through Macedonia. Several men were traveling with him. They were Sopater of Berea, the son of Pyrrhus, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, and Tychicus and Trophimus, who were from the province of Asia. They went ahead and waited for us at Troas. As soon as the Passover season ended, we boarded a ship at Philippi in Macedonia and five days later arrived in Troas, where we stayed a week. On the first day of the week, we gathered to observe the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching, and since he was leaving the next day, he talked until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he sank into a deep sleep and fell three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said, he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs and ate the Lord's Supper together. And Paul continued talking to them until dawn. Then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home unhurt, and everyone was greatly relieved. Paul went by land to Assos, where he had arranged for us to join him, and we went on ahead by ship. He joined us there, and we sailed together to Mytilene. The next day we passed the island of Chios. The following day we crossed to the island of Samos, and a day later we arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided against stopping at Ephesus this time because he didn't want to spend further time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, for the festival of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come down to meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly, yes, and with tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. Yet I never shrank from telling you the truth, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Gentiles alike, the necessity of turning from sin and turning to God and of faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am going to Jerusalem, drawn there irresistibly by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit has told me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. Let me say plainly that I have been faithful. No one's damnation can be blamed on me, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants for you. And now beware. Be sure that you feed and shepherd God's flock, His church, purchased with His blood, over whom the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know full well that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some of you will distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out! Remember the three years I was with you. My constant watch and care over you night and day and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the word of His grace, His message that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those He has set apart for Himself.
I have never coveted anyone's money or fine clothing. You know that these hands of mine have worked to pay my own way, and I have even supplied the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help the poor by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They wept aloud as they embraced him in farewell, sad most of all because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they accompanied him down to the ship. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Acts 21. After saying farewell to the Ephesian elders, we sailed straight to the island of Kos. The next day we reached Rhodes and then went on to Patara. There we boarded a ship sailing for the Syrian province of Phoenicia. We sighted the island of Cyprus, passed it on our left, and landed at the harbor of Tyre in Syria, where the ship was to unload. We went ashore, found the local believers, and stayed with them a week. These disciples prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go on to Jerusalem. When we returned to the ship at the end of the week, the entire congregation, including wives and children, came down to the shore with us. There we knelt, prayed, and said our farewells. Then we went aboard, and they returned home. The next stop after leaving Tyre was Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters, but stayed only one day. Then we went on to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. During our stay of several days, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. When he visited us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands with it. Then he said, The Holy Spirit declares, So shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Romans. When we heard this, we who were traveling with him, as well as the local believers, begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But he said, Why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart, for I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but also to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, The will of the Lord be done. Shortly afterward, we packed our things and left for Jerusalem. Some believers from Caesarea accompanied us, and they took us to the home of Nason, a man originally from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. All the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem welcomed us cordially. The next day, Paul went in with us to meet with James, and all the elders of the Jerusalem church were present. After greetings were exchanged, Paul gave a detailed account of the things God had accomplished among the Gentiles through his ministry. After hearing this, they praised God. But then they said, You know, dear brother, how many thousands of Jews have also believed, and they all take the law of Moses very seriously. Our Jewish Christians here at Jerusalem have been told that you are teaching all the Jews living in the Gentile world to turn their backs on the laws of Moses. They say that you teach people not to circumcise their children or follow other Jewish customs. Now what can be done, for they will certainly hear that you have come? Here's our suggestion. We have four men here who have taken a vow and are preparing to shave their heads. Go with them to the temple and join them in the purification ceremony and pay for them to have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that the rumors are all false and that you yourself observe the Jewish laws. As for the Gentile Christians, all we ask of them is what we already told them in a letter, 
They should not eat food offered to idols, nor consume blood, nor eat meat from strangled animals, and they should stay away from all sexual immorality. So Paul agreed to their request, and the next day he went through the purification ritual with the men and went to the temple. Then he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and sacrifices would be offered for each of them. The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him, yelling, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches against our people and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple, and he even defiles it by bringing Gentiles in. For earlier that day, they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole population of the city was rocked by these accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was dragged out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. The commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. Then he asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Some shouted one thing and some another. He couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and confusion, so he ordered Paul to be taken to the fortress. As they reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent, the soldiers had to lift Paul to their shoulders to protect him. And the crowd followed behind, shouting, Kill him! Kill him! As Paul was about to be taken inside, he said to the commander, May I have a word with you? Do you know Greek? the commander asked, surprised. Aren't you the Egyptian who led a rebellion some time ago and took 4,000 members of the assassins out into the desert? No, Paul replied. I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, which is an important city. Please, let me talk to these people. The commander agreed, so Paul stood on the stairs and motioned to the people to be quiet. Soon a deep silence enveloped the crowd, and he addressed them in their own language, Aramaic. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Acts 22. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. At his feet I learned to follow our Jewish laws and customs very carefully. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just as all of you are today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, binding and delivering both men and women to prison. The high priest and the whole council of leaders can testify that this is so, for I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the Christians from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. As I was on the road nearing Damascus, about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, sir? I asked. And he replied, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light but didn't hear the voice. I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led into Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man in his devotion to the law 
and he was well thought of by all the Jews of Damascus. He came to me and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And that very hour I could see him. Then he told me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. You are to take his message everywhere, telling the whole world what you have seen and heard. And now, why delay? Get up and be baptized, and have your sins washed away, calling on the name of the Lord. One day after I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple, and I fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, Hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't believe you when you give them your testimony about me. But Lord, I argued, they certainly know that I imprisoned and beat those in every synagogue who believed on you. And when your witness Stephen was killed, I was standing there agreeing. I kept the coats they laid aside as they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, Leave Jerusalem, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul came to that word. Then with one voice they shouted, Away with such a fellow! Kill him! He isn't fit to live! They yelled, threw off their coats, and tossed handfuls of dust into the air. The commander brought Paul inside and ordered him lashed with whips to make him confess his crime. He wanted to find out why the crowd had become so furious. As they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, Is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? The officer went to the commander and asked, What are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commander went over and asked Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. I am too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. But I am a citizen by birth. The soldiers, who were about to interrogate Paul, quickly withdrew when they heard he was a Roman citizen. And the commander was frightened because he had ordered him bound and whipped. The next day, the commander freed Paul from his chains and ordered the leading priest into session with the Jewish high council. He had Paul brought in before them to try to find out what the trouble was all about. End of reading, Acts 22 through 22.30. This is the Bible live. Thou shalt not go away. We've been out on the mission trip with Paul from one exciting moment to the next in the gospel, the good news. It is good news all across the Roman Empire. Men and women, boys and girls, looked up to the heavens every night and saw the moon, the stars, and marked the seasons and knew that there was a creator God and longed for some way to connect with the creator, some way to have the assurance of being accepted by God. But there was no certainty. There was no clarity. Across the world, men and women walked in darkness without knowing, without hope. Now God himself has come into time and space. God has spoken. There is a God, and he's not a capricious God, a made-up God. This is the true, the living God, holy and righteous in all his ways. He does love you. He cares for you, and he has made a provision for you to have an eternal relationship with him. God's purpose in creating humanity has become so much clearer now. Philip is mentioned here. Paul stops and visits with Philip the Evangelist. Remember, we last saw Philip way back in chapter 8 when he talked to the Ethiopian eunuch. We find out he was living there in Caesarea on the coast. 
four daughters who are following the Lord. That must have been a great evening when Paul spent the evening with Philip the Evangelist on his way back to Jerusalem. For 50 years now, I've dedicated my life to witnessing and sharing here and around the world, telling individual men and women, boys and girls, how they can know Christ, speaking to groups and traveling to Kazakhstan and Mongolia and Russia and Siberia and Ukraine and India and all across these nations down into Latin America, carrying that message of hope and forgiveness that we can know God. And all that we've ever longed for is true. The gospel is not a threat. The gospel is good news unless a person resists God, unless a person rejects God and does not want to acknowledge God or bend his will to God. Then there are those, as you can see in the book of Acts, and we see that in our world today, there are those who reject God outright. They reject God. They reject Jesus. They reject faith. They reject prayer. Some of you are still slow to realize that there are people for whom God and Jesus and the gospel are not good news. Well, as I watch Paul and the other characters of the book of Acts, as they witness, as they share, as they minister the gospel of Jesus Christ, I picked up some principles. Enthusiastically, happily share the good news with other people. Share it in its simplicity. Be relevant in our sharing. Connect it to the lives of people. And share it with integrity. There's no use sharing the gospel if you're not living the gospel. Be ready to defend the truth of the gospel boldly and courageously. But as we share the gospel, we leave the results to God. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we share. Then we trust God. There will be three assured responses. Some will respond, yes, I want Christ. Others will say, I don't right now. I want to know more. Others will say no and laugh and reject. Then move with the movers. Go on with those who receive the Lord. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 